Good morning, City Light. So good to see you guys. I love our church. It's like every Sunday, you don't know what's going to happen. We had like little baby chickens down the hallway. It's just welcome to City Light. It is so much fun. I wonder, have you ever heard the phrase that good things come in threes? You got the three primary colors, red, blue, and yellow, I think. You have a three-ring circus, three little pigs, the three stooges, the three favorite ice cream flavors, chocolate, vanilla, and more chocolate, (laughs) 3D movies, and of course, three-legged races, which Eric and I would never be able to compete in. It just... Wouldn't really work, bro. Uh, And then you got Indiana Jones, Die Hard, The Matrix, Toy Story. And depending on who you're rooting for this week, Steph Curry from behind the line, good things come in threes. It reminds me of when I was about 15 years old and I was learning to drive. And I had to learn how to drive on a stick shift. It was a 1984 blue Toyota pickup. It had chrome side panels, oversized tires, a four-inch lift, double subs in the seat behind you so you could just feel the bass. It was a beautiful work of art. It wasn't mine, but um, I did learn how to drive with it. And it also had a crooked stick, which made learning pretty difficult. My dad said in learning to drive that truck, there were three things that mattered. Three things that mattered so much that my life was at stake based on how I learned how to use those. Those three things were the gas, the brake, and the clutch, right? And all three of them mattered, but just as important was how they related to one another, how they connected with one another. Like if I thought I was going to hit the brake, but I accidentally hit the gas, that would be really bad. Things wouldn't go well. Or if I kept the clutch pressed in while I gave it a lot of gas, I'd go nowhere and probably get rear-ended. Or if I released the clutch just a little too fast while I was giving it gas, then everything would stall out and everybody at the intersection would honk at me, not saying that ever happened or anything. Oh my goodness, that was so stressful. But all three things mattered, but how they related to each other, how they connected to each other mattered just as much. This morning, we're going to see the same is true in Christianity. In our Bibles, in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to see three important, essential, non-negotiable aspects of Christianity. Three key components that are included in following Jesus. Those three things are Jesus. He's kind of a big deal, right? Like he's pretty important. We got Jesus, good works, and faith. And what we're going to see is all three of them matter, but it is just as important how they connect to one another. Like if we get them out of order or their wires get crossed, then things are going to go haywire. Like me in the 84 Toyota pickup truck, we could stall out, not move anywhere, or end up in a ditch on the side of the road wondering, how in the world did I get here? So we'll look at those three things individually, and then we'll come back and see how they relate to one another. The first and most important aspect of Christianity is Jesus, right? Jesus is the centerpiece of Christianity. He's the centerpiece of the world, 
Jesus is the centerpiece of the whole universe. The Bible actually says that Jesus upholds the universe. He holds the universe together by the word of his power. Jesus is over everything, and apart from Jesus, nothing was ever made, and nothing would matter. Around City Light, we never get tired of talking about Jesus. We talk about him all the time. Jesus planted our church. Jesus is building our church. Jesus is the lead pastor for our church. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the radiance. He's like the bright light, the shining glory of God. He shows us what God is like, the very picture of God Almighty, and he shows us what God likes. Jesus is first and foremost. He is front and center. He loves the broken, hangs with sinners, heals the hurting. He makes great wine. He walks on water and performs other miracles. He laughs with children, writes good books, tells great stories. He lived for sinners. He died for rebels and he rose for the dead. He is patient and good and gracious. He is merciful and mighty and magnificent. He started us, he sustains us, and he'll keep on supplying us all the way to the end when he brings us us home. Jesus is everything to us. He's at the center of all we are and all that we do. Now in Galatians 5, our passage this morning, it's going to highlight a few more dynamics of this Jesus. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, for freedom, who set us free? Christ set us free. The first thing we see about Jesus in Galatians 5 is he's the one who sets us free. Don't you just love this? The same Jesus who holds the universe together and can walk on water walked into your prison cell of shame and guilt and doubt and fear, and he took you by the hand, led you out of that prison cell, and then threw away the key. What does Jesus want for you? For you to be free. Why does Jesus want that for you? So that you can enjoy freedom. It is for freedom that Jesus set us free. A few verses later in Galatians 5 verse 4, we see that Jesus is also the one who gives us grace. Like when you're around Jesus, your weaknesses aren't ugly and your failures aren't final. Your sins are forgiven. You can be safe and open with Jesus because his response is always going to be grace. No scowling eyebrows or pointed fingers or looks of disapproval, only grace. And then you go a little further, and in verse 8, we find that Jesus calls us. He's the one who calls us. He searches us out, finds us wherever we are, and then he begins to invite us and call us to himself. It's like he got our number, dialed us down, and then he wooed us. He won our hearts to himself. He said, hey, come with me. You're worn out, but I'll make you new. You're broken, but I'll make you whole. You're covered in sin, but I will make you clean. Jesus called us and won us to himself. And then in verse 11 of chapter 5, maybe most importantly, Jesus is the one who died on the cross. 
You see, Jesus mission power to set us free when he died on the cross. Jesus got permission to give us grace when he died on the cross. Jesus' ability to call us and win us to himself came when he died on the cross. You and me, we couldn't break ourselves out of our prisons of religion, so Jesus died to purchase our freedom. You and me, we could never clean up our act by ourselves, so Jesus died to give us grace. And we could never find our way back to God, so Jesus died to call us and bring us back to God. This is Jesus. And if you want to know what Christianity is all about, just look at Jesus. And if you want to know what Jesus is all about, then look at Jesus on the cross. And when you see him there on the cross, you see Jesus in all of his upside down glory, giving us grace, calling us to himself and setting us free. The first and most essential piece of Christianity is Jesus himself. Now, the second piece we're going to look at this morning is good works. And if you've kind of been tracking with our study through the book of Galatians, we've been studying this book for the past few weeks, you might be led to believe that good works are bad. But rest assured, as we dig into Galatians and look at the Bible, good works are indeed good. Acts 10 verse 38 says that Jesus himself went about doing good works. He did lots of good works. He would heal people. He would cast demons out of people. He would teach them, feed them, raise them from the dead. I mean, Jesus did a lot of awesome good works. And then Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that every follower of Jesus is a good work of God. We actually are his good work, and God has good works planned for each of us that he wants us to walk in, that he wants us to do. So Jesus did good works, God has good works planned for us, and Jesus wants us to go do those good works. Now in Galatians chapter 5, we find out in verse 14 that good works can be summed up in one word, love. Look at verse 14 with me. It says, the whole law, all the good works you're commanded to do, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the good deeds that you could ever do for someone, all the good deeds that anyone has ever done for you gets expressed in that one word, love. Good works are love works. Good works is love in action, giving up your comfort or convenience or your rights or your privilege to seek out the best for someone else, to seek out good for someone else. If you want to know the good works that God has planned for you, just ask yourself this question, who can I love today? Right? Jesus did these good works, and then God has made you his good work, and he has these good works that he wants you to walk in. He wants you to experience. You might say, well, what are those good works, God? The answer is really simple. Who can you love today? Those are the good works he's inviting you into. And City Light, I love, it's such a joy to get to be a part of a church that is passionate for good works. Any given Sunday, there's 40 plus volunteers in this building who are doing good works so that we can all gather and make much of Jesus Christ. 
And then during the week, there's hundreds of us scattered all throughout the city and the region in city groups. We're studying our Bibles, throwing parties, and doing good works. Like today and next week, there's a city group who is hosting a donation drive for a local organization that serves women facing unplanned pregnancies. Later on in June, there's another city group who's going to be hosting an awareness event to fight against human trafficking. Recently, we announced the need for host homes for a church planting conference that we're going to be hosting here. We're like, church planters don't make much money. We could lessen the cost if we had people who would host them. And man, when we said, hey, anybody want to host homes? It was like a race. You guys are saying, can I host? Can I host? Do you still need host homes? How can we host? I was like, this is awesome to be a part of a church that loves good works. In July, Eric and Chuck will take a team over to Rwanda to love orphans and do a church planting conference over there with their local pastors. It's like every which way I turn, every which way you look, our church is doing good works. It's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And not just like churchy good works, you know? But normal good works also. Like a friend of mine named Mark, he's one of our city group leaders. And uh, Mark works with police all over the metro area. And on a daily basis, he's with people who are kind of stuck in a pattern of crime. They're addicted to something or hurting themselves or hurting someone else. And these people are the ones that society is like pushed aside, just written off and marginalized. But Mark can't help but love them. He can't help but serve them because he's been so well-loved by Jesus. And so Mark will literally, he'll treat them with dignity and respect, and then he will share his own struggles, like be confessing sin to these gals and guys. He'll be praying for them and loving on them all while they're in handcuffs. That is good works at its best, good works in action. So we've looked at Jesus, and we looked at good works. Now, faith. Faith. And I think most of us, if not all of us, would say, yeah, faith is an important part of Christianity. It's really important. But I think oftentimes we get confused or we misunderstand what faith is. Like if someone were to come up to you and ask, hey, what is your faith? How do you think you'd respond? Most likely, I'd respond and say, well, my faith is Christian. You might answer the same way. You might say your faith is Christian, or your faith is Buddhist, or your faith is Muslim, or you might say, man, I don't have any faith. My faith is nothing. Many times we think of faith as a category that we fit into, or a box that we check, or some way that we fill out our Facebook profile. But Galatians doesn't talk about faith like it's a category of religion. Galatians talks about faith like it's something we depend on or someone we trust. Like in the late 1800s, for example, there's a guy by the name of George Ferris who invented a new mar- uh, marvel of modern engineering. He like, did his research, studied his science, and he came up with some cool way to put together this huge spinning wheel that you can actually sit on and ride as it goes around. And because he invented it, he got to name it. And he named it the Ferris wheel, right? Well, he gets it all built out, gets it constructed, and he's like, someone's got to ride this and make sure it works. So he invites his wife and a newspaper reporter to be the first ones to ever ride the Ferris wheel. 
And on a windy day in July 1893, his wife and that newspaper reporter climb onto the seat. They get going, and as they go up, they feel the breeze, and then they're like, this wind's pretty strong. And they get to the top, palms are sweating, I imagine, and they're freaking out because that wind is blowing really hard. But sure enough, the Ferris wheel circles back around down to the bottom, and they do just fine. The Ferris wheel worked just like George had said it would. Now, when they got on there, all they had to go on was the word of George. And so what did they do? They put their faith in George Ferris. They believed in George Ferris. Or maybe consider this, growing up, maybe like you, I loved swimming. This time of year is great just to go swimming. I loved swimming as a kid, and one of the best parts about swimming is when dad would go with us to the local pool, and he would stand a few feet away from the edge and just say, Doug, jump into my arms, right? Like I'd tiptoe up to the cement edge around the pool, grip it like my life depended on it, and dad would be out there, big, tall, strong dad, and be saying, just jump, Doug. I'll catch you. And I'd kind of get excited and nearly jump. And then I'd be, whoa, whoa, whoa. Get, get scared and step back. Then I'd come back to the edge and get excited. And dad was just dad. He was smiling. He was laughing. I'll catch you, dog. Just jump. And so eventually, I was kind of a timid, scared kid. But eventually, I would jump. And of course, dad would catch me. And he was laughing. And usually, he'd throw me right back up in the air and catch me again, just celebrating that I jumped. Now, church, why did I jump? Because I trusted my dad. I jumped because I knew he, he would catch me, right? His arms were long enough. His muscles were big enough. His hands were wide enough. He would catch me no matter where I jumped. I had faith in my dad that he would catch me. That's the kind of faith that Galatians talks about. It's the kind of faith that makes you get on a Ferris wheel on a windy day. It's the kind of faith that makes you jump into your dad's arms, even in the deep end. Faith is always active. It's always moving. Okay, now we looked at all three of them individually. Jesus, good works, and faith. Now let's see, how do they interact? How do they connect with one another? And I think Galatians 5 is going to give us two simple, pointed truth statements that honestly, guys... If we take these to heart, if they get down inside of us, I think they could change our lives. I'll give them to you one at a time. The first one, I'm going to say it, and you're going to be like, this guy has gone nuts, okay? You're going to think it's not true, and therefore, I'll show it to you in the Bible. The first statement is this. Faith in good works makes Jesus worthless, okay? I'll say it again. You can let your brain take in the craziness. Faith in good works makes Jesus worthless. That's an extreme statement. So open your Bibles. Let me show it to you. Galatians 5 verse 2. In Galatians 5 verse 2, it goes like this. Look, I, Paul, Paul's just the guy who wrote this letter. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of what? No advantage to you. Christ will be of no profit to you, of no use to you. Now, here's what was going on. There were these guys who were hanging out with the Galatians and telling these Galatians, hey, it's great that you came to Jesus. We love that you put your faith in Jesus, but guess what? You got to get circumcised 
also. You need to put your trust in this circumcision process. So circumcision is a picture of putting your faith in good works. It's a painful picture, but it's a picture nonetheless. And so Paul's going, guys, guys, you got to get this. If you put your faith in good works, Jesus will become worthless to you. He'll be of no profit, no advantage, no use to you. He goes on in verse 3 and he continues. He says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, who puts his faith in good works, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Skip down to verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And most extreme, verse 12, I promise I'm just reading the words of God here. I wish... Those who unsettle you, those who are preaching and teaching, put your faith in good works. I wish they would emasculate themselves, right? He's saying, don't just cut a little foreskin off, cut it all off. If you're going to get started, you might as well go the whole way. It's in the Bible. Now, kids, kids, let me just say this. If you got questions about what this means, don't talk to me. (laughs) Ask mom and dad on your way home, okay? Mom and dad, just at this stage, just say, I don't know what he was talking about, okay? You know what I'm talking about, but they don't need to know until they get a little bit older. Here's what Paul, who wrote this, here's what Paul knows. He knows what every meth or crack addict also knows. When it comes to addictions, there's no halfway. It's either all or it's nothing. And religion is just as dangerous and just as destructive as any drug. Religion can kill you. Religion can still out, pull away Jesus to where he becomes at best an afterthought and at worst completely worthless to you. And all you want to do is get your next hit of religion, your next trip on guilt, your next craving for control, and you'll use religion to get it. Now that sounds so extreme, like outlandish. So here's how it connects to my life. Here's where the rubber meets the road for me in parenting. Parents, you know, there's nothing like parenting to show you what's really going on in your heart, right? And I think whenever I consider my life as a parent, many times I do. I put my faith in good works. And in particular, my kids' good works. Here's how I know that. I'll ask myself the question, am I spending more time dreaming about my kids' relationship with Jesus or worrying about their behavior? Do I spend more time investing in their love relationship with Jesus or trying to manage and produce that they would obey the rules, that they would be good rule keepers? I think if I were honest... I spend more time worrying about their behavior and trying to make them good rule keepers. Now, good behavior and good rule keeping can be good, but Galatians 5 tells me that if my hope is in that, if my faith is in that, then what happens is this culture of religion, this culture of being better, just having good behavior, it creeps in and it crowds out affection and love and relationship with Jesus in my family. So my kids might still have good behavior, but their hearts drift away. Away from Jesus. 
The warnings in Galatians chapter 5 are meant to wake me from my religious slumber, to shake me out of my religious addiction and invite me to parenting with Jesus, to dream about my kids' relationship with Jesus, to invest in their love relationship with him. Do you guys track with that? Does that make sense? Because I think what's true for me when it comes to parenting might be true for you when it comes to money management or pursuing a career or church attendance or business leadership in your life, wherever your secret religion may take you. When our faith is in good works, it crowds out Jesus to where eventually it's like he's worthless to us. But there's another way that these three can interact. Another way that these three can relate to one another, and it's a little more positive than the one I just said. I'll give you this. Here's the other one. Ready? Faith in Jesus makes good works work. Okay? Faith in Jesus makes good works work. Okay? Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 with me. It says, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, neither good behavior nor bad behavior, neither morality nor immorality, okay? None of that counts for anything but only faith. Now, pause right there, okay? If we were to stop right there and this verse were to be done, we would probably all be tempted to think that in light of what the Bible said in the previous statement, that faith in good works makes Jesus worthless, we might assume that this is going to say faith in Jesus makes good works worthless, right? All we need is just faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus. Who needs good works? Throw them out, you know? That'd be like me in the 84 Toyota pickup truck trying to drive it with brake and gas. It just doesn't work. You gotta use the clutch. So let's go back to the verse. Let's look at it again. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith, and what's the next word, church? Working through love. So underline it, circle it, highlight it, whatever you need to do, but don't forget it. Faith works. Faith in Jesus works. Faith in Jesus makes good works work. Faith is not just a knowledge in your head that agrees to some facts. Faith is not an insurance policy that only gets enacted in the worst case scenario. Faith is not a moment in your past when you made a decision or walked an aisle. Faith is active. It's alive. It's like the batteries that you put in your kids or your grandkids' toys that make them blink their eyes or talk or move around or bark like real puppies and do other creepy things that kind of keep me up at night, you know? Faith is like that monster or that Red Bull that you got to buy halfway through your workday because your body is zapped of energy. You're saying, I need something to wake me back up and keep going. Faith is active. It's always moving, always motivating, always going somewhere. Faith is always operating. It is always working. And faith in Jesus works itself out through love. Look at Galatians 5, verse 13. The summary verse of this whole passage. 
It says, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Okay, all throughout Galatians, Paul has been fighting for our freedom, right? Oh, guys, Jesus has set you free. You are free in Christ. It is for freedom that Jesus has set you free. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't put your trust in your good works. Put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in only Jesus, nothing else. Jesus has set you free. He walked you out of that prison cell. He threw away the key, the death sentence that hung over your head. It's gone. You are free. So go, be free. Go, run wild. Enjoy your freedom. Delight in your freedom. Over and over, Paul says, be free. And we might say, Paul, awesome. How do we do that? And Paul would say, you enjoy your freedom by loving others. Your faith alone in Jesus alone has made you totally free so that you can serve others. That is true freedom. And this is the part of the sermon where I have to confess. I need to confess that I like to use the freedom Jesus gives me to be lazy. I love the free grace of Jesus so that I can just go home and watch Netflix for a while, even though my children really need my attention and the house might be falling apart. Right? Like, I have this craving for comfort. It comes out the convenience that nags me most days of my life. And it comes out the most, it shows up the worst when I'm at home. So what I really, really want to do after a long day of writing a sermon and planning some stuff out and discipling some guys and doing, you know, pastory church work stuff, I want to go home and just take in four or five episodes of The Good Doctor and have my kids bring me some LaCroix and tell Whitney to bring me my dinner while I'm on the couch. And she's going to say, Doug, could you help me? And I'm going to say, honey, it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. <laughs> I will not submit again to your yoke of slavery. No way. Some of you guys just found your favorite Bible verse right there. You're going to put that on the mirror, share it with your spouse pretty soon. <laughs> Paul would say to me, Doug, who are you kidding? The kind of freedom that Jesus set you free for was the freedom to love. It's the freedom to serve. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, but Paul, remember, it's not about my good works. It's all about faith. And my faith is in Jesus. And Paul, my faith is only in Jesus. It's not in my good works. And Paul would say, Doug, once again, who are you kidding? The same faith that you put in Jesus is a faith that works. It's the kind of faith that puts on its big boy pants and laces up its boots and says, let's go to work. It's the kind of faith that gets on a Ferris wheel on a windy day. It's the kind of faith that jumps into dad's arms and he catches you. Faith in Jesus makes good works work. And the amazing thing is, at the end of the day, the gospel this good news that God loves and saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel inspires and motivates good works. It motivates love so much better than religion. Faith alone and Jesus alone matters because it leads to loving others. It leads to serving others. Legalism leads to loving yourself. 
Faith in Jesus leads to loving others. Because when you look at Jesus, what you see, who you see, is someone who used his freedom to serve others. You got to understand, I mean, for all of eternity, forever, Jesus was free. He sat on the throne of heaven. He had full power, full reign, full authority. He was free, had everything he could have ever wanted, and was fully and completely free. But what did he do with his freedom? He used his freedom to love and serve us. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself and even took on the form of us. He became a human, humbling himself even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he loved us in a very real, very tangible way. Jesus used his freedom to serve us. Therefore, the next time Whitney says, Hey, honey, could you change his diaper? Could you help me make dinner? Could you take care of the girls? And she'll be listening to this part of the sermon. The next time she says that, my response is, Whitney, it is for freedom that Jesus has set me free to serve you. I am a completely free man so that I can love you. Christ has made me absolutely free. It'd be my pleasure to get off the couch and go make some dinner with you. Oh, City Light, may we be a church family who enjoys the freedom that Jesus set us free for by loving and serving others. Amen, church? Amen. Would you pray with me? And I want to invite you in this time to dialogue with God. I might be saying some words, but talk to Him and listen to Him. My guess is He has something to say to you. And it might be different from what I've said. He wants to speak to you personally. He knows you, your world. He knows you're weak. He knows your relationships, and he knows how to speak to you. So would you just dialogue with him? And I want to invite, there's some of us, I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus. Like maybe you were putting your faith in good works or trying to be a good person or trying to do good things, but you're realizing it just feels like, man, that's not working. <laughs> it's not effective. It's not producing change that really lasts in my life. And this morning, I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone. And if you want to do that, it's as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner, that you can't be good on your own. It doesn't work. And then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was good for you and he gave his life for you. And then commit your life to him. Say, Jesus, I'm all in with you. Would you make me good? I can't. You died on the cross for my sins to forgive me, make me new, make me clean. Would you make me good? I want to live my life with you and for you. And others of you this morning, I just want to invite Jesus to ask the question, who can I love today? Your faith in Jesus is meant to lead to good works. Who does God want you to love today? Who can you serve today? Father God, I pray that you'd be speaking to us all throughout this room, loving us, caring for us, knowing where we're coming from and knowing exactly how to communicate 
your desire for us. I pray that you would bring some people to sweet and pure faith in Jesus. And to pray for some who maybe they already have their faith in Jesus and they're just saying, oh, I want that to lead to good works in my life. I want it to produce this love for others. Father, would you right now bring to mind one way they can serve someone today? One way they can love someone today? And then I ask, Holy Spirit, would you give us the power to do it? (laughs) Not to wait till tomorrow, not to wait till this weekend, but would you give us the grace to do it today? To go in love, to do good works because we've put our faith in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' good name, amen.